The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio, with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. Thank you very much for joining us. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee. On Super Talk 99.7 WTN, you can listen to that 6 to 10 Eastern Time, 5 to 9 Central at 99.7 WTN.com. I'm, I'm laughing during the break. I'm listening to Pete Buttigieg, and I, I don't even know how to describe the stupidity of what he has to say regarding Southwest Airlines. Now, you know what's going on with Southwest. You know that they have been caught literally with their pan with their pants down. They've got planes that were right there in the path of the storm. They left the planes there, and that is where they stay. And, and so the the planes are sort of you know boxed in with these airports that are you know just blanketed with snow. So that's number one. Number two, they've got aged systems as well, or as Pete Buttigieg in the audio that I'm about to play for you, he calls them legacy systems. So Southwest Airlines, they've got planes in the wrong places. They they don't know where their crews are. And number three, they've got these legacy systems, which is, I, I think, Washington speak for old uh, systems. And it is abundantly clear that Southwest, they just haven't made the proper investments in their infrastructure to prepare for something like this, a storm to the, that's, that, that's so massive as this one was. And so in the previous hour, I, w- I was playing audio for you from the um, CEO of Southwest Airlines. He put out an apology video, and he was basically saying, we're sorry, we screwed up, but we're going to make it good. I don't know how you make it good. If you're Southwest Airlines, you left the planes in the wrong places. Now they're stuck. You've got your uh, your staff, your crew, and a lot of those folks have decided that they need a a break. They can't work the, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 hours in a row that you need them to work. And so they're shutting down from a staffing perspective and your equipment has failed. But the reason why I'm laughing 
is because as I'm I'm reading all of these things that have happened to Southwest Airlines and how, you know, they're saying that we're going to make this good and we're focused on customer satisfaction. We're focused on helping people. And it's like too late, man. You've got people that have been stuck in airports for days. And so Buttigieg is on a CNN with um, Wolf Blitzer. And I'm just, I, I, I've just got to play it. From what I can tell, Southwest is unable to locate even where their own crews are, let alone their own passengers, let alone baggage. Uh, so uh, I conveyed to the CEO our expectation that they are going to go above and beyond to take care of passengers and to address this. Uh, I mean, isn't it too late? I mean, he's talking tough. You know, he's got serious Pete face going on. And he, he's talking tough, and they've got to meet our expectations. And I'm, It's too late. I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm 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 listening to to Buttigieg and I'm reading about all of the, you know, all of the passengers that are stuck all across the country. And I'm I'm wondering, as we find out more and more about the poor planning and the lack of investments in their equipment and their infrastructure, Southwest. And I'm just wondering if this is going to be something that is going to be, um, I don't know, an airline killer. Will Southwest Airlines actually be able to recover from this? Uh, they indicated a number of issues that they're having with uh, systems, uh, legacy systems for managing uh, their, their schedule and where their crews are. Mm. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, the rest of the aviation system has been on the road to recovery since the worst days of the storm going into Friday of last week. As of today, as I'm looking at the different airlines, most of them are in the low single digits in terms of cancellation rates, uh, averaging, averaging about 5% for all of the other airlines. Uh, for Southwest right now, we appear to be north of 70%. So th- their system uh, really has completely melted down. Yeah, I think, I think melted down is the, the, the right way to say it. But, you know, the when he says, and a lot of people are saying there needs to be congressional action, they need to take a look at this, there needs to be investigations – my two cents on this is that the free market is going to take care of this because when all the planes are back on track and everybody is where they need to be and everybody's on schedule, people will once again say, you know what? Southwest is flying where I want to fly the time that I want to fly for about the amount of money that I want to pay. So I'm going to book Southwest. So part of my curiosity is, and I don't want to take phone calls on this, but my curiosity is when you hear all of this, will you run, will you take the risk to fly Southwest again? Or will you say there's no way that I'm going to run that risk? Because let's face it, and I've flown, I mean, I'm 55. I've flown all across the country many, many, many times. These things happen. But with Southwest, this has been an epic failure. But I think it's kind of a joke for Pete Buttigieg and Mayor Pete to say, oh, yeah, we're on the job and we're the ones to help fix this.
year, as you know, we've seen a number of issues with the different airlines, and in the summer in particular, we pressed them to improve their standard of customer service. Uh, they provided uh, commitments in writing, including Southwest. I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny because you listen to what Buttigieg is saying, and by the way, I would be saying this if it was a Republican, too, because I've been very well known to, to criticize Republicans, too, but I just think it's a joke. Because Buttigieg is saying, you know, we we have it in writing that they're going to up their customer service. You know, you can you can play the audio of Buttigieg. He's so incredibly proud that he has these agreements from the airlines, including Southwest. They signed on to this back in the summer. And it's like you, you want to play Buttigieg this audio and, and play it over video of people that have spent days and days and days in the airport. Stuck. Complete strangers are piling into vehicles and driving to as close as they can get to their homes. I mean, that's what people are being forced to do. But don't worry, Mayor Pete's on the job. Summer in particular, we pressed them to improve their standard of customer service. Uh, they provided uh, commitments in writing, including Southwest, uh, that they would uh, go above the, the previous level of what you do to take care of ca- customers with things like uh, covering the cost if, if you get stuck and you need a hotel or a meal, in addition to rebooking you to get you on your way. Now that we have those commitments uh, that were made to us over the summer, we're going to be using that as a tool to hold them accountable. And I made that clear to uh, Southwest leadership. Now, they did, uh, the CEO pledged to me uh, that they will not only meet, but they will exceed uh, the customer service standards and, and commitments that uh, uh, that they have made to us in the past and uh, that we're in a position to enforce. So there you go. Pete Buttigieg is uh, on the job. And I'm sure that all of those thousands of people across the country are relieved that Mayor Pete is here to save the day. I guess that's going to be one of the big questions. And, and again, I, I'm always going to go back to and I, I realize Congress wants to have their investigations knock themselves out. I think that the free market will take hold of this and, and the free market will decide whether or not Southwest Airlines uh, survives this whole thing. I mean, will they possibly get fined or whatever happens? Yeah, they could get fined, I, I suppose. Uh, they say, and I'm, I'm reading a, a story out of Politico from back when all of this was taking place. This was uh, June 19th of 2022. They say, and they're talking about Buttigieg meeting with these airline leaders to quiz them about wide, widespread flight disruptions. They say, and I've found this kind of funny at the time his own flight was canceled and he wound up driving from washington to uh new york so now Buttigieg, back in june said that his department could take enforcement actions against airlines that fail to live up to consumer protected standards but first he said he wants to see whether there are major flight disruptions over the fourth of july holiday weekend and the rest of the summer so, I mean, I, I quite frankly don't remember what happened over the summer. I can barely remember yesterday. But I can tell you that this is going to impact Southwest Airlines, and this is going to impact Southwest Airlines uh, really hard. Really, You know what I would like to do? I got full phone lines on so many different topics today. 
But if you want to send me a note, uh, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook, uh, Dan Manda Show, Instagram as well. I, when I talk about the free market, and the free market will dictate what happens to Southwest Airlines, would you book Southwest Airlines again? I've flown Southwest many times, and I will tell you that I would be rather nervous to fly Southwest Airlines, especially when you hear about their lack of investment in their infrastructure, in their, as Pete Buttigieg said, their quote-unquote legacy systems. Not to mention the bad planning leading up to this, up to the, uh, up to the, up to the time of the storm. I, I'm, I'm hesitating because I saw Paul in Idaho actually wants to talk about Pete Buttigieg. Paul, go ahead on uh, Red Eye Radio. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I just I get the the feeling from Pete Buttigieg that until something happens, he's about he's on the job about twenty percent of the time. And and when he is on the job, I'm not going to say that he's a dismal failure, but not a lot gets done. No, I, I mean I, I I will tell you, hey Paul, to to hey Paul, hold on to your point. You're right, because if these conversations were going on uh, during the summertime and and Buttigieg has has been in office with Biden for the last couple of years, they knew about these legacy systems. If it was Pete Buttigieg, if it was Mayor Pete to the rescue, why didn't he force them? And I'm I don't want the government to force any business to do anything. But I mean, if the government's to the rescue, why weren't they talking about these legacy systems two years ago? Right. Okay. Well, the the other thing is, I I think that he was he was put into the position that he's in. Not, you know, he's a Rhodes Scholar for one thing, which is not not too many people can claim that in their educational career. Right. So he's he's an intelligent man, but I don't see a lot of common sense coming from this guy. I mean, anybody that's going to go out of his way to call a road a racist road <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. They're, they're the racist highways from Pete <laughs> Buttigieg. Yes, I, um, I actually that was uh, one of the topics I covered extensively during a previous fill-in stint on um, Red Eye Radio. But you know he's right. I mean, I, I think we all got to be clear. <clears throat> I believe that Buttigieg is uh, in way over his head, and he he's right. By the way, I mean there are stories. I I, I don't have it in front of me. But there are stories out there of, you know, when when the world is crashing down and there are, you know, transportation issues or supply chain issues that are going on, Buttigieg is nowhere to be found. And we see we have seen that time and time again. I want to get to Penny. She's been holding for a long time in Alabama. Thank you very much for calling, Penny. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm good. Appreciate uh, your call. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just, I need to give a shout out to Joe, one of my fellow Buffalonians. Been there, done that, born there, raised there. I was there for the blizzard of 77. Mm. And um, thank God I'm not there anymore. (laughs) But, you know, when you're a kid, that's like the greatest thing ever. You know, no school. Mm. We can take sleds off the roof, you know, and fun things like that. I wanted to go back just a couple subjects. And um, I think you forgot about George W. When he, when Hurricane Katrina came through Louisiana, he was given a mortal hell for not being there the day after the hurricane was done. But remember, they had that chain of command, like the mayor, then the governor, and and he and 
Bobby was supposed to be the last one there. He was, it was not a, like, a national, it was a state thing. Well, the, and, if, I and, if I, and if I remember right, what was that guy's name? Oh, the mayor of New Orleans. Oh, and gosh. he was awful. He, he bust yeah. nobody out of there. He, re- he had all the buses lined up, and he refused to. And I hate to go back several, you know, um, yeah, you know subjects ago. But yeah. I, and I was just going to say one more thing. If any of the ladies are looking for your luggage... I think you know where you need to look. He no longer works for the government in the <laughs> nuclear department. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, Penny. Thank you. I heard, <laughs> I heard, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, was, I got a quick finger, quick, quick trigger. But thank you for the call. And um, Ray Nagin, Ray Nagin. I remember that. Remember when, when Ray Nagin? They had all those buses that were supposed to uh, drive people out of New Orleans when Katrina was coming up. And those buses, along with, um, you know, a good portion of New Orleans, ended up just flooded because they weren't used. And we all know what happened after that. Uh, Again, thank you very much for the call. Dan Mendes here. This is Red Eye Radio. Electrical systems are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Know the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention to help avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Keep an eye out for lights that are dim, as this is an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. You should immediately get a full electrical system check if you notice either of these warning signs. This report brought to you by Lubrifiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Appreciate you listening to Red Eye Radio. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. One of the questions I was asking is, all right, so with all the problems that we know with Southwest Airlines, would you feel comfortable flying or buying a ticket uh, from Southwest Airlines in the near future? That's number one. We've also been uh, talking about politicians that lie. And we're talking about this George Santos guy who... We've been he's been all over the media. He won the third congressional seat for the state of New York. Turns out dude was lying. He's a Republican. He was lying about almost everything in his past. And it got this whole conversation started. I have a feeling that I could spend an entire evening on Red Eye Radio talking about your favorite political lie. Frank's got one in Ohio. Frank, thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. Go ahead. Nice job, Dan. Nice job. Thank you. Hello. Appreciate it. Uh, Harry Reid, he, he was the Speaker of the House in 2012. Mitt Romney was running for president against uh, uh, Barack, uh, uh, Barack Obama, and Harry Reid says that Mitt didn't pay his taxes. And I think it was like 10 years or something like that. But mm-hmm. Mitt lost. But after the election, they asked, they found out that was a lie. And then they asked Harry. Hey, Harry, well, what about Mitt not paying his taxes? That was a lie. Well, he didn't win the election, did he? 
You know, I mean, that's election uh, tampering uh, by the Speaker of the House. Come oh, on. Oh, you're you're absolutely well. He's a senator, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, he he lied. He has also, by the way, come out and said that he has no regrets with falsely accusing right. Mitt Romney of paying zero taxes. So, you know, this goes back and the to... Press, the press runs with... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no you're actually... I'm, I'm going to go right down the road with you. You're right. The the media cool. and the press will go right along with whatever, you know, Harry Reid or Joe Biden yep. or Corinne Jean-Pierre, yep. what they say. And you're absolutely right. And I very much appreciate the call. Got a lot more straight ahead. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Lines are open. 1 866 907 3339. 866 90 Red Eye. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you listening to Red Eye Radio. And uh, I put out the um, question, question with all of the problems that Southwest Airlines is having. Would you book Southwest Airlines for an upcoming flight? And I've told people how they can get in touch with me, whether it's Twitter, whether it is um, social media, Facebook and so on. Majority of people saying no, they would not risk uh, flying Southwest Airlines again based on what we're finding out about their infrastructure. But we'll have to wait and see ultimately how they respond to this problem that they have. Now, a lot of people, including, by the way, yours truly uh, in one of the previous segments, was kind of joking about what Pete Buttigieg had to say about the situation with Southwest Airlines. It was, I wouldn't even call it tough talk. I played you the audio. He was just, you know, sort of him saying, well, they need to step up their customer service, which is clearly uh, too late. Now, Doug is calling from uh, Allen, uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Doug. Good evening. You're doing a great job, Dan. Thank you. Hey, uh, let's start. You had a Democrat caller earlier that uh, was trying to point out um, inconsistencies in being Republican and not holding our representatives to uh, standards of truth. Right. Um, I was going to go through some of the Congress people, but that would take the whole show. So I <laughs> just going to stick to Democrat senators. I'd be willing to stand shoulder to shoulder with him if he's willing to first clean out his own party. So let's start with Richard Blumenthal, Connecticut, Connecticut senator. Mm-hmm. Um, he claimed to be a Vietnam veteran in the election, and that came out to be completely false. Yet he's still in the Senate. Yep. Uh, let's let's move on to Elizabeth Warren. She took a job at Harvard University, claiming to be part Cherokee Indian, and made that same claim running for Senate in Massachusetts completely false we know donald trump is more Cherokee indian than elizabeth warren is <laughs> yeah um let's go with all of the democrat senators 
who claimed Russian collusion was real. Oh, yeah. There are many of them. Chris Murphy, Tammy Duckworth, Ben Cardin. Well, we were, talk- we were talking about Adam Schiff. From the janitor, we were talking about Alan, Adam, Adam Schiff earlier. We are talking about him. So you're right. And yeah, you know like what? I, said, I was staying away from the Congress. <laughs> you, well, let me. But Adam uh, you, Schiff is definitely one of them. You know what? Yeah, one of the biggest. Po- you know, you clean out his own party. I'll right. stand shoulder to shoulder with him to get rid of this Republican congressman who lied to get elected. All right, man. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. One of the biggest political lies I, I think is um, always been if, as they were selling Obamacare, remember President Obama would say, "Well, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan." That was complete and utter BS. And so when you look at the scope of the lies, I don't, I don't want to relitigate Obamacare for the love of all that is holy. But what I would say is when you talk about the scope of lies from just sides of the aisle, I mean, earlier I was playing you audio. Maybe I'll revisit in the four. But, you know, you talk about the the Democrats saying the border is closed when it is clearly not closed. It is obviously open. That's number one. That's a massive lie. Again, Obama and Obamacare. If you like your doctor and your plan, you can keep it. That was also a massive lie. I mean, we could go through. I mean, he just brought up another one, uh, Russian collusion and how you had all of these uh, Democrats screaming about Donald Trump and how he colluded with the Russians. They tried to impeach the man. And it was all based on lies. And a lot of them knew that it was all based on lies. And so, I mean, there, there's so many different things that you could you could run through that have been huge, massive political lies. Uh, again, talking about uh, how the Democrats called the Republicans changing the voter laws in Georgia as a Jim Crow 2.0. That's another one. It goes on and on and on. This is Greg in Chicago on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Greg. Hi, how are you doing, Dan? I'm good. I would uh I would reserve judgment on whether or not it would take south fly southwest. I don't I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. Right. I think they made some mistakes and I think they're gonna pay in the free market. What I find utterly disgusting is that government should come in with a heavy hand telling business how they should do business. Yeah. And this administration has done that constantly. Constantly, whether it be through soft tyrannies on dictating who, which company and companies should be mandating certain uh, medical procedures for people or or how they've actually handled uh, talking about talking about observing and honoring something in a written commitment. How about the Constitution of the United States of America? Since when is this administration even batted an eye at that and trying trying to hold their mandated duty to preserve the Constitution with what they're actually doing, whether it be on the border, whether it be through economic policy, whether it be through their meddling in, the, in school choice stuff. It's incredible that somebody like um, our Secretary of Transportation should come out and say something like that, even in light of his comment about racism and roads. You can see how political ideology drips so prevalently from this administration like no other. And you can see what they want. You can see what they practice through their policies on how they're cutting off energy. You're from Tennessee, right? 
Oh, yeah. You had some rolling blackouts. You had some rolling blackouts down there, from what I understand. I remember coming through uh, 2019 in Chicago when it was very, very cold. We never had a hint about losing our power. We may have lost it through storm, but not through conservation because the energy grid couldn't handle it. They are not investing in critical infrastructure. Their policies put us at both economic risk and national security risk. So to hear somebody from this administration come out and talk about the failure of a company, which will fail in the market through through fair market uh, practices, Joseph Schumpeter, right, creative destruction, to have somebody come out in this administration and dictate that they have an oath to the government on how they're going to handle things is a height of hypocrisy. And I I appreciate the call, Greg. You're absolutely right. You know, one of the things just goes right back to what I was saying earlier about, and Greg obviously agrees about um, the free market and how the free market will take care of this. But if Buttigieg, and I was telling you about this uh, earlier, if Buttigieg, he was so proud of coming out and saying at the time that they're going to hold these airlines accountable. Well, at the time, I I said the same thing I'm saying now, which is really it's the customer base. It's, It's the American consumer that will hold these companies accountable. But if... Buttigieg and the Biden administration, if they want to be held accountable for the failures of Southwest Airlines, then okay. If you want to share in that failure, go right along. As uh, as Greg just mentioned, they're from Chicago. You just put that on the list, uh, the growing list of many failures of the Biden administration. But if they're going to be out there heavy handed saying you've got to improve your customer service like they did back in the summer, you know, talking to the airlines, well, okay, then did you follow up? And, you know, as this, uh, you know, as this winter was approaching and as this time was approaching, when we know that we're going to get boatloads of snow, did you go to the airlines and follow up with your demands? Because if you want to be the ones that save the day, well, then be the ones to save the day. You know, there was a headline in uh, The Hill, and I, I remembered it. Because it was so incredibly, um, it was so incredibly, what's the right word, critical of Pete Buttigieg. Because it was during the whole supply chain issue. You know what The Hill called it by Joe Concha? And I realize that Joe is a, um, is a conservative, but he is there from The Hill. And he said, amateur hour, Pete Buttigieg's inexperience exposed as supply chain breaks down. And you know what? The dude was a mayor from a small town. Yet somehow he was, according to the Democrats and the Biden administration, he had the experience to be the secretary of transportation. Look where that's gotten us. And so one of the things that he pointed out, and and I guarantee you that um, this is probably still the case, is you look at you look at Buttigieg and people in the media love this guy because he's gay He's married. He's got twins and he's very eloquent and he he says things that are infuriating. But, you know, he looks good on television. And so he checks a lot of different boxes. But in reality, you have to ask the question, has he done a good job and was he qualified? Well, I can tell you the answer to the second question is no, he wasn't qualified. 
Again, he was a mayor of a small town in Indiana, and I don't believe that he has done a good job. You know, typically when, whether it's the supply chain issue or the situation now with uh, the airlines, you know, he's the guy that, you know, comes around with the broom after, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of uh, elephants crapping on the floor. You know what I mean? So he's not doing what he needs to do if he's going to, again, be the one that is going to try to bully these companies into running their corporations the way that Buttigieg and the Biden administration want them run. If he's going to be the guy and Biden's going to be the uh, administration that is going to be held accountable for the mistakes in the private sector, okay. But I believe that the private sector will take care of itself. A guy called up, uh, again, Greg from Chicago, and we were talking about uh, last night a lot of these uh, rolling blackouts that we've had in uh, Middle Tennessee. It, it happened uh, on uh, Christmas Eve day, and so last uh, last several days. And because we had our own really, really brutally cold weather. And if you missed the podcast or the show last night, it is podcast. I went through all of the things that here in Tennessee they have done to effectively guarantee that we would have rolling blackouts. And one of the big things I would invite you to go listen to the podcast. One of the big things that they're doing and they're doing proudly is they're eliminating these coal fired plants. Because of climate change. And so they're out there proudly saying that they are closing down all of these coal-fired power plants. And so now we only have, what, I think four left uh, here where the, uh, in the, what, the seven states, if I'm not mistaken, the seven or eight states that the Tennessee Valley Authority actually covers, they've only got four or so left. And so they're proudly saying we're going to shut all of these down. We're going to focus on nuclear energy. We're going to focus on wind and solar. And that's all great and fantastical and everything. But if the stuff doesn't work, if the demand isn't being met, then why are you closing all of these coal-fired plants? If the if the new energy resources, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the wind and the solar isn't working, well, then go back to coal until you can figure out the technology. But you see, they are proudly, that's the thing that bugs the living crap out of me. They are proudly saying that we're shutting down all of these coal-fired plants, knowing full well that it's not going to meet the demand. Instead, let's all celebrate, uh, you know, wind and solar. I like nuclear, but whatever. So that's part of the problem, is that they make these changes because they are so hyper-focused on, you know, this climate change. And then they'll say, well, you know, the problem with these, uh, these, these coal plants is that they're, they're old and, and they're dilapidated and they're, they're crumbling and it's old technology. Well, the reason why they're old and the reason why they're not as efficient as they once were is because you people, Democrats, have allowed these plants to uh, become uh, old and dilapidated and crumbling. That's the that's the fault of the Democrats, because Republicans have been all about doing whatever they need to do to make sure that the lights on, that the lights are on and the heater is running. That's what the Republicans have done. What have the Democrats done? 
They've tried to shut down these plants at every turn, and now we're realizing the mistakes that they've made. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. That is where we find Frank in Corsicana, Texas. Frank, you've been holding a long time. Thank you very much for holding. Go ahead. Hi, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Been following you a long time, and thanks for the good work. Thank you. I just want to uh, press, I want to have a little, make, make this turn a little bit. Um, I want to talk about uh, a righteous politician of old. His name was Job, by the way. 3430, Job, let the hypocrite reign not, lest the people be ensnared. And uh, uh, this... <laughs> Frank, you've been holding a long time. Uh, gents, back at the station, let's, let's put Frank on hold. I will get to the rest of his call in the next hour. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. 6690 Red Eye is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Man, has it been a busy show. And I like it that way. There's a lot of news that we've been covering. We've been talking about Southwest Airlines. We've been talking about the FBI colluding with Twitter and Twitter acting as an agent of the FBI and the constitutional ramifications of that. And I played you some incredible audio from one of my favorite constitutionalists, Jonathan Turley, who said that, yeah, this whole situation with Twitter and and the fallout, it could be very serious. Now, one of the questions that, that I would ask if, you know, I had Jonathan Turley on the phone, which would be my dream interview, never been able to do it. But one of the things that I would ask is, OK, so in the past, conservatives, when we were uh, talking about being shadow banned, when we were talking about the fact that uh, we weren't getting the reach that we once did on our social media, uh, various social media sites, why is that? And the people at Twitter, the people at Facebook, they would say, oh, this is all in your mind. You're just a conspiracy theorist. Well, Jonathan Turley says that not only did that go on, we all know that it went on with uh, social media, but it also went on with the mainstream media as well. And they're blowing their credibility. And one of the things that is most disturbing, quite frankly, is that when these files came out, the FBI attacked many of us who were raising free speech concerns and called all of us collectively conspiracy theorists spreading disinformation. It was highly inappropriate because the FBI has said that combating disinformation is one of its priorities. So it's a very menacing thing when you have the largest law enforcement agency 
attacking free speech advocates. Yeah, and, and think about it this way. I mean, you had the FBI working with Twitter, and the question that is being asked, and this is part of the news cycle this morning, is that Twitter acting as an agent for the FBI, that means literally that the the, the federal government, the law enforcement agency, was tamping down on your free speech if you were shadow banned, whether it is on Twitter or Facebook or whatever your uh, social media site is. I, I've been shadow banned on both. And so when Jonathan Turley and others are saying this was a violation by the government of your First Amendment rights because Twitter was acting as an agent of the FBI, then yes, that argument could be made. Now, the question is, ultimately, to what end? Here's more from Jonathan Turley. Cricket. It is complete silence. The media has another blackout on this story, just like Hunter, the Hunter Biden laptop. Yep. They are re- just refusing to cover what are now confirmed uh, practices, like shadow banning, like the censorship program in conjunction with the FBI, the fact that the FBI gave millions to Twitter to censor people. And yeah. all of that's been blacked out. Yeah. I, listen, whether we're talking about, again, the social media companies or the mainstream media, the mainstream media did the same thing. And as you just heard Jonathan Turley say, they're doing the same thing now by blacking out this story. But it's been amazing. You you tweet out the wrong thing. You ask all of the inconvenient questions. You get blacklisted and, and banned whether we're talking about social media or the mainstream media. I mentioned earlier, to me, the perfect example with the mainstream media. Look how they treated Joe Rogan, where he said that he took uh, ivermectin for his case of COVID, and they laughed at him. He became a general joke to the mainstream media, when in reality, I mean, they accused him of taking, if I remember right, it was... It's like horse paste or something to that effect. When in reality, it was prescribed by an actual doctor. But you had CNN, MSNBC, the networks even called him dangerous for talking about and pushing this um, ivermectin, using ivermectin to treat COVID. They, They said that Joe Rogan was dangerous. So there's example after example, whether we're talking about the FBI, whether we're talking about Twitter, the mainstream media, Fauci and the swampy science community. And they were awfully loud in their criticism of anyone going against their narrative, but they're awfully quiet now that they have been proven that they were, in fact, uh, lying. I mean, you've got Elon Musk, and I've made this comparison before. You've got Elon Musk now. He really is kind of the new Trump because the media hated him and they obsessed over him incessantly. They really haven't stopped. And ultimately, their Trump derangement syndrome did cost them their credibility because they reported things that simply were not true related to Donald Trump and their clear bias was showing. And now with Elon Musk, it's the same damn thing. They're calling him names. They're not giving any credence to his mission, not even acknowledging that Twitter and the FBI may have stepped over the line in this relationship.
Jonathan Turley and a lot of conservatives are noticing this. What we've seen last few years are social media companies working closely, quite frankly, with many Democratic members. Yep. Demanding censorship of everything from opposing views on climate change to election fraud uh, to many other subjects. The question is, at what point does that cooperation with the government violate the First Amendment? And it does if there is this agency relationship. Yeah, many people have said that, you know, Twitter is a private company. And so this is not the government trying to restrict your First Amendment right to free speech. It's Twitter. And so they, some people have said, have a right if they don't want your, you know, ignorant opinions, they would say, of conservatives. They have every right to keep their, your ignorant opinions off of their social media site. They don't have to tolerate your ignorant opinions on their platform. But they do, actually. If these social media companies are supposed to be platforms, which they are as opposed to a publication. And I don't want to have to regurgitate the whole conversation, the whole debate about platform versus a publication. It is obvious to anyone involved in this or who have been watching this that the social media companies, they consider themselves publications where they have editorial control. What they're supposed to be is a platform. That's how the whole system was supposed to be designed. There's more from Jonathan Turley, and he is spot on when he says... Now, what's interesting about mm-hmm. what Elon Musk has done, and he has done a great service to this country, in my view, yep. by releasing this information. He's confirmed that the FBI paid social media companies to help them deal with what they call disinformation, which most of us call censorship but also that they were in continual communication, as were other agencies, targeting specific citizens and specific posters to be banned or suspended. That really does smack of an agency relationship, and that could violate the First Amendment. And here's the other thing, and I, I will admit I've tried to drive this point home tonight, but you have all of these purveyors of disinformation You've got Twitter and and you've got folks on social media and they are the ones that have been screaming about disinformation. Meantime, they are the ones that have been spreading it and the people that have been censored. And we talked about this last night. The people that have been censored are the ones that were actually telling the truth. And that is especially true when it comes to Twitter teaming with Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden and doing whatever they could to suppress the opinions of people that were going against Dr. Anthony Fauci and his 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 pro-vaccine mandate, his pro-mask mandate, and his pro-lockdown attitude. And it turned out those people that were sounding the alarm and were absolutely right, those were the ones that were suppressed, that were censored. Meantime, the ones that were lying, those were the ones that had all the free speech they wanted. Because it was their narrative that was more agreeable to Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden and so forth. All right. want to go back to Frank in Corsicana. Frank, you held a long time. We've been talking about the lies of politicians, specifically 
the lies of this guy, George Santos, who is a Republican. He lied on the campaign trail about his experience and so forth. And that really led us down this this journey tonight of, you know, your favorite political lies. And I've, I've been covering this all night. What did you want to say? Go ahead. I feel, Dan, that, uh, you know, with this man's duplicitous behavior, I mean, he indicted himself. And that was probably a wise thing to do. And uh, hopefully he'll repent. Uh, Otherwise, he's going to end up, of course, like the other rhinos. You know, he's he's a double-minded, and he's going to be unstable in all his ways, just like the word says. But um, in liars, like all lawless politicians, they had the list to hell. What we need is R&R, repentance and revival in this nation. We had two great awakenings, and God can do it again, by God. All we right. had 32 documented miracles. If you read Susie Federer's book, I mean, you remember, of course, uh, uh, the bulletproof George Washington, do you? Yeah. Okay, do you remember uh, the story about when the, the uh, King Louis sent 15... Uh, 13,000 troops, 800 cannons, 73 ships, something like that, to the 13 colonies to destroy them mm-hmm. at the inception of the war, to wipe them out completely and obliterate them. And one pastor, Reverend Thomas Prince, he prayed to send the tempest lord upon the water, scatter the ships of our tormentors. God sent it. He honored that prayer and destroyed the entire naval fleet. We are replete with this history. God can save our country. We just have to look to God. I'm a 23-year war vet myself. For God's sake, patriots, God can save our nation. All we have to do is look to him. He can do it. He can do it again. He'll give us this third great awakening we need. He sent two of them, as you know, in our history. Two great awakenings. The Camp Town revival started it. James Seymour was the second one. Well, Frank, I'm, I appreciate your call. I've, I've got to let you go because I'm late for a break. But I, I will tell you, and I, I appreciate your service, and I also appreciate your passion. And you touched on a couple of things, which uh, I'm going to touch on very briefly because, again, I'm, I'm running way late. But I will say this, is that you touched on two things that really do make America great in uh, not only our history, but just what runs through the fabric of many Americans and America. And that is, of course, our, our fabulous military going way, way back. That's number one. And number two is the power of prayer and the and the power of God. And I appreciate your passion for both, Frank, in Corsicana, Texas. And again, appreciate you calling in. Dan Mattis here. This is Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. Many farmers are wrapping up 2022 in pretty good financial shape. And you can see that in pressures on land prices. Upward pressures on land prices, of course. This from USDA's chief economist, Seth Meyer. He told us. We saw uh, assets and equities rise in 2022 and even some declines in debt. Really modest declines in debt, but some declines in debt. 
with rising asset valuations. Including farmland. Meyer says you should not, though, judge the entire farmland market from a few reportedly very high prices in a few Midwest auctions. But I think it does tell you that for some producers in some sectors, it's been a good year. Cash is on hand. Asset values are increasing. And I think that that is and has provided a little bit of land price pressures. The other day, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago reported Midwest farmland values jumping 20 percent during the third quarter of the year, making for 11 straight months of rising farmland values. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. You know, I, I saw this. I, if you folks have been listening to me for any length of time, whether filling in for Gary and Eric, or you know my other fill in across the country, or my local show here in Nashville, Tennessee, you know that I am a what I like to call I am a recovering Californian. So it is with that in mind, I grew up there in California, fled many, many years ago. But it is with that in mind that I see this headline, California residents flee the state for now the third year in a row. California tops that list of states where people are fleeing from. Yet Gavin Newsom, you know, more than likely is going to be running for president of the United States at some point. 300,000. California residents left the state in 2022. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, this departure is more than any other state during that time period, per estimates tracked from July of 2021 to July of 2022. Those fleeing California, by the way, including Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom's own in-laws. Now, I've told the story many times as far as the reason why I fled Uh, California. It was because of the crime. It was because of the illegal immigration. It was because the only school where I could afford to send my small children to uh, where I lived, you know, my school in my district, English was pretty much the second language. And so I, like many other people, just simply decided to flee. And we're still seeing that. Ultimately, I ended up in Texas Then I ended up here in Nashville, Tennessee. Best move I ever made. Speaking of Nashville, Tennessee, I want to say hello to John. And uh, you're on uh, Red Eye Radio calling. Of course, you probably listen to WTN. John, thanks for calling in. Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. My question is, Mr. Santos, he provided a lot of uh, disinformation or lies or whatever to his constituents, and they voted him into office. Question is, did he do anything unlawful? See, that's a that's a that, I I don't believe that he did do anything unlawful. I, I guess the question, and I, and I don't know the answer to this, but if he if he received campaign, well, <laughs> I, I'm saying this realizing now how incredibly stupid it is. But if he received campaign donations based on those lies, but I mean, like we've been documenting all night. Uh, we have politicians in this country that do simply lie. And 
you know, it, it, the entire evening has been spent uh, talking about politicians who have uh, been lying. So I, I don't know if he actually broke any actual laws or campaign laws, whatever it is, John. Uh, that will all come out in the days ahead. Very quickly, Tim is in Washington State on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Tim. Well, hello, Dan. Um, first, I would like to call out to Frank. Thank you for your service. And you were right. With the power of the Lord, we can regain our country and right this ship. I'd also like to call out people like your previous caller, Jerome. Get off your soapbox, man. You don't want to hold people's feet to the fire when they're on your team, but you want to call them out when they're not. What yeah. about Elizabeth Warren? What about Rachel Dolezal? Now, for the rest of everybody listening, we need to stand up straight. Quit pretending like we've got all the backbone of a gummy bear. We need to stand up and hold, hold ourselves accountable so that we can hold our government accountable. It is we, the people. We are the ones in control. When did we lose sight of this, and when can we wake up and remember this? All right, and, and I will put you on hold there, Tim, but I appreciate your comments. Great call, and appreciate you holding on. Coming up next, I, I've got to play this audio one more time. It's been hours. But there was an epic interview with George Santos and Tulsi Gabbard. You've got to hear. It's straight ahead on Red Eye Radio. are open 1-866-907-3339 866-90-RED-EYE now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley here is Dan Mandis George Santos everybody's talking about this guy and everybody's talking about this uh, train wreck of an interview it was great I'm going to play you some audio from it but he's on with Tulsi Gabbard last night, and he is on the defensive. And the reason why he's on the defensive is because his lies have been found out. Now, if you're just joining us, I need to tell you maybe the 30-second upshot of, of George Santos. Ran for the House of Representatives in the state of New York, 3rd Congressional District, which is like Long Island and part of Queens. And he ran as a Republican, and he won. He, he flipped the seat. But it turns out he lied about a lot of things in his past. He lied on his resume. He never graduated the co- from the college that he said that he graduated from. He claimed to work for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup when he never did. The question as to whether or not he is Jewish has now come up. He's been accused of lying about his sexual orientation. He was married to a woman for five years. Now he's married to a guy. And so there's just... A lot of stuff out there. He claimed to own 13 properties. He actually lives with his sister. And so now you have the Democrats that are out there saying that he needs to give up the seat that he's due to take. And so part of my monologue in the, in the, I think it was the first or second hour tonight was, you know, who the heck are the Democrats? To get all sanctimonious about telling the truth because they are the party literally of lies. 
That being said, one Dem- Democrat, Tulsi Gabbard, had him on the show last night on Fox News again, as she was filling in for uh, Tucker Carlson, and, and and she asked him, "What about all these lies? And what about the notion of stepping aside?" Because it was a heated, and I would say a very heated interview, and she brought up a lot of very good points. Lies that you've told, not just one little lie or one little embellishment. These are blatant lies. My question is, do you have no shame? Do you have no shame in the people who are now you're asking to trust you to go and be their voice for them, their families and their kids in Washington? Tulsi, I can say the same thing about the Democrats and and the party. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been lying to the American people for 40 years. He's the president of the United States. Democrats resoundly support him. Do they have no shame? Yeah. Listen, he's brought up a great point. But two wrongs don't make a right. But we all know about the blatant lies and plagiarism of Joe Biden. You know, he has said, and you folks listening in Nashville, you know that I harp on this all the time. I apologize. But, you know, he said that he was part of the civil rights movement movement when he wasn't. He said that firefighters almost perished battling his house fire way back when. That never happened. He said that he got arrested trying to visit Nelson Mandela. That never happened. And his presidential campaign way back when was torpedoed because of plagiarism. That is just scratching the surface of the lies of Joe Biden. And we're talking earlier about some of the other lies that the Democrats have told. You know, from a policy standpoint, you got, you know, Barack Obama. If you like your plan, you like your doctor, you can keep your plan, you can keep your doctor. Or the Republicans changing the voting laws in Georgia. You had uh, Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and some of these folks saying that that was Jim Crow 2.0 when it clearly was not. In other words, you Democrats that are out there screaming about this one guy's lies. Uh, We could spend hours talking about how you said that conservatives and and Republicans and people that voted for Donald Trump were literally Nazis. But my answer to all of that is that we as Republicans do have to be better, right? As conservatives, we do have to honor and respect the truth. And if I spend any time at all And I spend an abundant of time blasting Joe Biden for his lies and the Democrats for their lies. Then I have to give Santos the same treatment. Now, one of the biggest questions out there is, are you really Jewish? Because in some interviews, he has said that he is. In other interviews, he says, no, he's not. So what is the truth? We've got a letter that your campaign sent out earlier this year which reads as follows. As a proud American Jew, I've been to Israel numerous times for educational, business, and leisurely trips. You said there in that letter that you are, quote, a proud American Jew. How do you you explain that? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not, not being raised a practicing Jew, I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jew-ish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. 
So, you know, he used the term identify, right? So these days you can identify as anything you want. I mean, you can identify as multiple genders. You can identify as no gender at all. So if he wants to say that he identifies as Jewish, okay. But you know who has a problem with that is the Republican Jewish Coalition. And they are out there saying that he deceived the organization and misrepresented his heritage and that he's no longer welcome at their events. And so you have... Republicans that are basically on two sides of the fence, on on one side of the fence or the other. You have some Republicans that are saying that character matters and the truth should always be uh, one of the first things that you honor. And so they do say that he needs to step aside. Others, though, say, no, he didn't campaign necessarily on his resume. He campaigned on the issues. And it's what he says about those issues that really did connect with the people of the third district of the state of New York. Look, I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. I'm going to reassure this once and for all. I'm not a facade. I'm not a persona. I I have an extensive career that I worked really hard to achieve. And I'm going to deliver from my experience because I remain committed in delivering results for the American people. I campaigned on inflation. I campaigned on crime. I campaigned on education. I campaigned on delivering resolve for the American people. That's what the people of the 3rd Congressional District heard me on and on as I campaigned. Now it's going to be incumbent upon me to deliver on those results. All right, so one final exchange. So it comes down to what do you really care about? Because let's face it, politicians, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, politicians lie. It's just, sadly, it's what they do. And so when it comes to George Santos, this guy is all over the news today because of this interview with Tulsi Gabbard and also because the extent of his lies they just keep getting bigger. They just become more. But there was one final exchange that got really awkward as Tulsi Gabbard went down the road of whether he lied about working for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. He says that, yes, he embellished his resume. She said, well, did you embellish or... uh, you know, did you lie? No, it's not false at all. It's it's debatable. I can I can sit down and explain to you what you can do in private equity, in, in capital intro, via servicing limited partners and general partners. And we can have this discussion that's going to go way above the American people's head. But that's not what I campaigned on. I campaigned on delivering results wow. for the American people by, by lowering inflation. I can sit down and if you want to have that discussion, I'd be glad to, Tulsi, to explain that to you C- and Congress make sure that we, we, we settle the score. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that she is overreacting to what he said. That this is not about settling scores. And I think you just you just kind of highlighted, I think, my concern, the concern that people at home have. You're saying that this discussion will go way above the heads of the American people, basically insulting their intelligence. So not only are you now that's backtracking not, that's not on these what I'm lies saying. that I, you've told, but, but, but you're saying that, that you can't explain it saying. in a way that your constituents would actually be able to understand. I can explain it in a way that if, you give, me, if you give me the time, I can easily give the uh, if you give me the time, I can easily explain it for you. I mean, look, what he was saying is that the and I'm not trust me when I say I'm not standing up for uh, Santos, George Santos. But what he's saying is that what he did with Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, it it was very technical. 
And so when somebody has only a few minutes on Fox News, you can't get into these really technical conversations. You just can't. But that's what he meant. But, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, whatever. So here's the deal. You've got Democrat representatives, Joaquin Castro and Ted Lieu and a bunch of other folks saying that Santos does need to step aside. And my prevailing opinion on that is you people need to mind your own damn business. This is a family matter within the Republican Party. And until you, Joaquin Castro and Ted Lieu and all the rest of you, you know, lying Democrats who support the biggest liar of them all, Joe Biden, you just need to keep your mouth shut. It's what you need to do. Now, for the Republicans, there is a word now that they actually knew that Santos was out there lying on the campaign trail. The question is, how much did they know? Now, Santos says that he's not going to step aside. Uh, CNN says it's unlikely House Republican leadership will refuse to seat Santos. More than likely, they will allow him in and allow him to serve. He is scheduled to be sworn in with the rest of the new members of Congress next Tuesday. The House does have the power under the Constitution to expel any member with a two-thirds vote. But if Kevin McCarthy is standing by Santos, I don't believe that he will ultimately be kicked out. I think that he'll serve. The question is, will he end up bounced from any possible committees? That's part of what Kevin McCarthy can do. But McCarthy has the support of Santos in his move and his drive to be Speaker of the House. And so he can't make a move on Santos without also possibly losing the support of a guy who, you know, McCarthy needs the support of. So that's also part of the dynamic. So this is going to be a a story that is not going to uh, be going away anytime soon. By the way, speaking of political lies. It is not that simple. It's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border. Secretary Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security. We have a secure border. And not just at the border. Yeah, so that is, of course, all the Democrats. I've played this audio many times and they are all lying. So let's stop with the hyper. And I'm not excusing what Santos did, but let's stop uh, hyperventilating and uh, pearl clutching some of the folks on the left uh, about the lies that he told. Because you've got the rogues gallery of border denialists and disinformationists right there. Bill Malusian, who is doing amazing work covering the border for Fox News, tweeted this out. DHS saying in a statement, the border is not open and we will continue to fully enforce our immigration laws. This comes as October and November just saw the highest migrant encounters ever recorded. From an October slash November that saw at least 73,000 known gotaways in a single month. So you can say whatever it is that you want to say, but it is abundantly clear that those four and the entire Democrat Party, they are lying. Now, the good news is that America has been given a reprieve as the Supreme Court keeps Title 42 in place for now. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. This is Red Eye Radio. 
Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. We were talking about Title 42. It's been given a reprieve. Ultimately, we'll see what happens. But uh, one of the things that you've got to point out is that we wouldn't even need Title 42. And a lot of people are saying this, including, by the way, Neil Gorsuch, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Uh, he points out that, you know, if if Biden and politicians on the left would just do their jobs, we wouldn't even need Title 42. And to drive that point home, this is a guy named Ron Vitiello. He is a former U.S. Border Patrol chief. And he tells Fox News that, yeah, all the Democrats need to do is follow the law. Title 42 would not be an issue if this administration followed the law. It is a federal crime to cross the border illegally and make a specious claim for asylum in the United States. They had tools when they took over this presidency with the migrant protection protocols that allowed people to have their due process, allowed them to have their asylum claims, but wait in Mexico instead. And because of that, we have 40-year lows in activity on our southwest border. And then, of course, we know what happened when Biden took over. Thank you very much for listening. Dan Mandis here. This is Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.